Good evening. What up? How you doing? I am doing good. <laughs> okay. Uh. <laughs> I mean, yes, life is an incredible blessing. Our life is an incredible blessing. Mm-hmm. The people in our lives are incredible blessings. It was just kind of a rough day. Ooh, ouch. But God is good and he is faithful mm-hmm. and the kids are sleeping. <laughs> that's that's true. They are sleeping, which is quite a feat, right? What's yeah. been going on? Oh, uh, poor little Ollie. He's a... Uh, he hasn't been feeling good the past couple days. Mm-hmm. He's just got liquid leaking from like every hole in his face. And since he's had a lot of snot, he's just been rubbing his nose and then rubbing his eyes. So now he has pink eye in both eyes. And Yeesh. he's just not feeling well. So he's literally, and it sounds like an exa- exaggeration, but it's actually not. He was literally crying like... Since since you left this morning, he was crying. Yeesh. Yeah. How did how did he actually fall asleep then? He was absolutely exhausted. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Crying takes it out of you. Yeah. Poor little guy. He fell asleep on the couch today. Mm-hmm. I was laying with him. So cute. Oh. I turned on one of his favorite shows, Little Baby Bum, and. Because Josie was sleeping and I just wanted him to like lay down and rest, hoping Mm -hmm. he would fall asleep. Because I knew if I put him down for a nap, he wouldn't go to sleep because he would just be upset that I wasn't with him because he was wanting me to hold him all day. Yeah. Also. So I lay down on the couch with him and watching the show for like a few minutes and then like he's he's stopped whining for like a minute or so and i like look down and he was asleep <laughs> just like oh be still my heart <laughs> my baby it's just so pitiful like yeah. you're just feeling so bad and fell asleep on me on the couch which never happens um <laughs> I mean, he's a cuddler. He'll cuddle for sure, but he yeah. hasn't like fallen asleep on me in a very long time. So yeah. Yeah, last night, he, so he has that car's pillow that he sleeps with. And last night I flipped it over because I wanted him to sleep on like a cleaner side, not on one that has like his goopy eyes and nose had been on. Yeah. And he was like concerned that he couldn't see the car part of it. <laughs> um, of course. Yeah, but... Tonight, I, like, stripped his bed sheet off, put another one on there, like, took the pillow and the blanket off, like, put um, different pillows on there and a different blanket. So, everything was clean. Yeah. Um, And he didn't mention anything about it. He just Dang. laid down and, like... Was, I'm going to bed. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness. You're so tired. Oh. Yeah. And, but then, of course, Josie, like... Didn't want to fall asleep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Not for very long, though. She never cries for very long, but yeah. Usually she'll fall asleep while I'm nursing her at night, but nope. She didn't want to. 
Nice. Yeah. She's so cried. Mm-hmm. Which woke him up, so he cried Ooh. for like... Well, he didn't really cry. It was like a whimper for like a couple minutes. But then he stopped. I think he was just too tired and went back to sleep. But, oh. Sorry, just a rant about our children. <laughs> I mean, that's no different than any other week, <laughs> that's, that's to be true. honest. But that's my life. Like, I'm with them all that the time, so life. that's, like, what I have to talk it's about. It's my life. And it's now or never. <laughs> I ain't gonna live forever. <laughs> well, I'm Sorry, actually surprised that I could even attempt to sing um, because oh yeah tell us about your night of, last night yeah <laughs> previous times i've like fake sung today nothing has eked out of my throat so um i'm sure you can tell that i sound a little different than normal don't worry i'm not sick like my kids that's not it it was um like you said because of my night last night um yesterday was a pretty full day for me um after work i had another corporate gig that i was doing helping to record audio and video for um, sort of like a TED Talks kind of a thing on structural engineering. So that was absolutely riveting. You stole (laughs) the words, right? That was literally (laughs) the word that I was going to say. That's kind of strange that you knew. It's like we've been married for over eight and a half years. I know. Weird. But um, so after that, um, one of my friends uh, was, uh, his, his band was playing downtown, and the place where um, I was recording this thing was really close to downtown. It was like, you know, right before. I, if you don't know Austin, there's a river, um, Lake Austin, and once you pass that, we're South Austin. Once you pass that, you're in downtown Austin. Sorry, I, I, I was, was over here doing quotations around Lake, because it's, yeah. it's a river. Well, yeah, right, but yeah, they call it Lake Austin. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it basically the place that I was recording was like four blocks away from uh, from the river. So you just drive up. Anyways, all that to say that it was close to downtown. Yeah. <laughs> I went downtown and uh, to see my friend's band play and got to catch up with him. That was super cool. We haven't seen each other in a couple of years and which is crazy cuz we both live in Austin, but different lives, folks. I don't know. Um so that was fun, but um uh, their their set or the the band's playing was part of a larger thing that they were doing at a bar that was connected to the bar where the bands were playing. Uh, I know it's kind of weird. I didn't I didn't get it until later in the evening. Um, but it's something that they do once a month. There is a Texas emo club that <laughs> that's puts on, what it's called. That's what it's called. That's who puts it on. Oh, okay. Um, they put on this thing that's once funny. a month called Jimmy Eat Wednesday. It's on a Wednesday night, and they have like this big dance floor type area, and uh, obviously, you know, full sound system. But they have TVs kind of lining the walls, and what they do is they play like pop punk and emo music from like the early two thousands, and uh, like along with the music videos, um, playing on the TVs, That's and so awesome. <laughs> it actually was really awesome. Like, that would be fun. Yeah, yeah, I wore, so I was planning on going because the way that the times worked out, so I wore a Copeland t-shirt, if anyone knows who Copeland is, (laughs) 
uh, one person actually recognized it and complimented me on my shirt, which I felt cool. But I was like the loneliest little emo boy because, you know, of course I say boy, 29 year old man with children. Um, <laughs> cause I was like, you know, by myself, everyone else had friends. Um, and, but it was so cool. Like, wandering in because there were so many people that were just packing this dance floor. And um, I don't know if you've ever been to a concert where the whole crowd know. Well, okay. If you've been to a concert where the band generally, they play like their most popular song last, right? You know, they play their new stuff first so that if you've heard their new stuff on the radio, you know, people can sing along to it. But then whatever their most popular song is, is usually like the last song in their set. So everyone just goes crazy and everyone is like screaming the words along with the band, right? Because it's their most popular song. Well, think of that all night long is what this was. <laughs> so, um, you know, I didn't realize what was going on until later. So I probably missed some of the more popular songs, but I mean, they played Taking Back Sunday and Four Years Strong and Panic at the Disco and Say Anything and Chiodos and like all these songs that I knew in high school. I, I mean, real talk, I still listen to a lot of those bands, <laughs> um, even if I feel differently about them now than I w- did back then. Like, if they were new now, I probably wouldn't be into them. But because I know them from high school, because like those were the bands that got me into music and really, you know, made me love music. Um, it just, it was so nostalgic and so awesome to be around a ton of other people who had like the same. F- oh, and My Chemical Romance. How could I forget an emo <laughs> night? My Chemical Romance. You know, they played Helena. And and uh, it just like even the music video reminded me of how how great um, the band was at just putting on a show. Like even Gerard, the main singer, he is so flamboyant, if I can say that. Like he is just so into. Like it feels like the band is on. I was gonna say on stage. Well, duh, they're on stage. But it feels like they're putting on a. Uh, theater production you know Hmm. like just with the makeup and the way that that gerard sings like he's so dramatic that's the word not flamboyant dramatic in the way i always used to get them and panic at the disco confused okay yeah because panic put on like crazy shows when they first when they first yeah they were just very theatrical as well so Mm -hmm. i would get them confused yeah yeah but Anyways, so I had a fantastic time sweating and getting sweat. There was a huge mosh pit, of course, a bunch (laughs) of emo kids. But it was like the emo kid mosh pit where like if anyone got knocked down, everyone would push everyone away, help the person up, like slap them on the back and then keep pushing, you know. So like (laughs) it wasn't to hurt anyone. It was just to get because emo kids can't dance. So you just like push up against other people. Well, but I've been to like hardcore shows where there's mosh pits and they they do that too like if someone falls down like they yes like someone immediately picks them up yes but the type of hardcore shows that you have been to are not like metal hardcore shows. oh no i'm i'm thinking like screamo exactly exactly which is kind of you know it's kind of i mean i guess that's my version of actually (laughs) you know if we want to be technical emo means emotional hardcore so technically emo is hardcore but then what is i mean the bands that i'm talking about when i say emo 
um, is more really just pop punk with yeah. emotional, dramatic lyrics, you know? So whatever, whatever genres you want to say. But I'm saying like, yeah, it, if you're talking like real mosh pit where there's like blood, <laughs> um, that's for like metal. No thanks. You know, like, like really, <laughs> no I was going to say really hardcore, but that's, that's the word that I said earlier. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is more of like the, the night. This is the kind of mosh pit where it's like, we are all just having a good time. And if we accidentally, like, you know, yeah. bump heads or, you know, you get an elbow in the face, everyone stops or is like, I'm so sorry. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like, it's not like anyone's wearing steel-toed boots yeah. or something like that. So Most of my experiences from, like, shows like that weren't even really, like, mosh pits. It was just that, like, the whole crowd was, like, pushing up against each other mm-hmm. that it's hard to keep your footing. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It, it progressively got that way as the night progressed. <laughs> Using the same word. Um, but again, I got in late. So it went from 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. Um, and I got there at like 9.45. And then I was watching the bands till like 11.30 or so before I finally realized where everyone was over in the dance floor area. And so um, then I was just having a great time. It's funny because um, it made me feel very young because like I'm in this room, like listening to music that I loved in high school and, uh-huh. and, everyone, and everyone is else. so yeah. into it, you yeah. know? And so it's so energizing and everyone is just loving it and loving being around everyone else. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, it's like emo was never a... Um, like a badge of honor, if that makes sense. Like emo was always a, uh, an insult, you know, in high school, I, there weren't very many kids who like branded themselves emo, Mm -hmm. you know, it's only kind of looking back that you can say emo and not have it be insulting. Um, so, so it was cool to be in a room with a bunch of kids who were just like, yeah, I mean, that was me, you know, that is me. So we're, you, you keep like saying that, kids. So where's everyone? I'm sorry. Where's, yeah. Was everyone mostly like younger or? Probably younger than me. I was probably one of the older guys in the room, but pro- I mean, probably, tw- I mean, everyone was in their twenties, obviously. Okay. Lots of people are drinking here. It's in a bar, yeah. you know? So, um, so yeah, twenties to thirties. There weren't, there weren't very many people older than me. <laughs> I didn't see very many balding guys. <laughs> I was the only one. Um, yeah. But then like 1 a.m. rolls around. I'm still amped. Oh, oh, that's what I was going to say. So it made me feel really young. It also made me feel really old. Because after like three songs of jumping around and screaming my head off, you know, yelling to these songs, I had to like back up against the wall because I'm just like, I am so winded and like, <laughs> Am I going to be okay? Am I going to throw up the food that I had like three hours ago? Because I am so out of shape. <laughs> like this is not um, this is not a normal occurrence for me. Uh, so I felt almost thirty for sure. Um, but it was a great time. Around one o'clock, I like had to force myself to leave because uh, it was one a.m. and I knew that when I get home, I'm not just going to crawl into bed with like my sweat and other people's sweat and the beer that was, that got poured on me. Like 
I had to take a shower. So <laughs> it was going to take a little while, you know, at least another hour before I'm even um, ready to go to bed. So, um, so I was like, okay, uh, the, what was the song that was playing was a dashboard confessional song <laughs> and it was so funny because i was thinking this is the only place that you can be that everyone in a room is is like singing along with vindicated by dashboard <laughs> confessional like this is not even a i don't know it's not even an, an anthem but like all these self-professed emo kids yes definitely of course the song is awesome <laughs> um so I was like, okay, I'm just going to see what the next song is and then um, I'll take off. If it's something that I don't like. Because they played other stuff. Like, uh, I was never really into Blink-182. Hmm. Um, they had played Postal Service right before that. Okay. So it's like Postal Service and then Dashboard Confessional. Sounds to me like they're winding down, right? Well, right after that, they play an Under Oath song. And so Aww. I'm like, okay, this is it. This is going to be my, like my send-off. <laughs> so, you know, I jump in the mosh pit. I'm like freaking out and yelling and moshing and it was a great time then i went home <laughs> anyways i spent way more time on that than i was supposed to <laughs> just to say that i had a great night anyone who wants to go be an emo kid with me once a month or with us because you said you said that you might want to come too yeah i think that'd be really fun i'm not um i'm not a mosh pit person i'm a people watching person so yeah. i would prefer to stand on the outskirts of everyone mm-hmm. and just watch and laugh and sing along because that's what I enjoy more but yeah there would probably be a lot of that um i mean even yeah even listening to the music over again it's just like oh some of this is cringy <laughs> but uh, but it's good it's fun um which and actually i'm surprised um because you don't really listen to that music anymore And I feel like your nostalgia is like for earlier music, like 90s alternative music. Yeah. I mean, but I have, uh, have you never, have you ever looked at my Spotify? Oh gosh. I don't think so. I have, um, I have a playlist that I can't remember what it's called. I think I just called it like high school jams or something like that, but it's like all emo music and a lot of Reliant K. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Um, yeah, again, I wasn't there long enough to, you know, is there like an hour and a half? I wasn't there long enough to, to hear everything that they were playing. The first song I heard was a four year strong song. And I was like, oh, hey, that's cool. They do some stuff that like wasn't just on the radio. So yeah, by the way, I've had that song stuck in my head all day long. <laughs> I played. So this morning when the kids got up, I wanted to um, like play something for Ollie because he was real whiny. Um, so I wanted to play some music. And so I just went to a bunch of the songs that played last night. So like, yeah, Taking Back Sunday was the first place that I went. Played some Four Years Strong, and apparently that's been stuck in your head. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry, <laughs> to be honest. I don't mind it. No. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. I thought, I yeah. thought you were being... I like Four Years Strong, so... Yeah. They're fun. They're fun. Anyways, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was fun. And so, oh that with i'm sure you kind of picked up on it but um i had no voice this morning so <laughs> oh, yeah um that's why i sound so groggy is because it my voice has been gone all day and um <laughs> totally worth it but sorry i didn't i didn't take the podcast into consideration i probably should have done that but anyways well, so that was my wednesday yeah. night 
I didn't really take the podcast into consideration either because I've been really just other things on my mind. Um, yeah. But you sound fantastic, by the way. Your oh. vocal cords. Well, thanks. Silky smooth. <laughs> uh, so, such an interesting compliment. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, yeah, we actually don't have a topic for tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, just, just lay out all our cards on the table. Why don't you? Um, um, yeah, I have just learned a lot about myself this week. Um, well, just not just this week, but lately, um, you know, what, what's the saying, uh, be careful what you wish for or what you ask for. I think it's what you, what you wish, wish for. But in mm. this case, it's be careful what you ask God for. Um, <laughs> so, you know, praying that God would show me my sin so that I can recognize it and oh, yes. to help me <laughs> kill yes. it when it starts to creep up. So I, um, I can, I can say from experience <laughs> that prayer never goes unanswered. Yeah. Never. It works. Uh, he does it. He is faithful to do that for you yeah um and so yeah i have just been learning that i am very selfish and a really jealous person Mm. i've noticed that about myself lately um and arrogant and uh well, impatient, but I already knew that about myself. Um, and what else? That I have, I feel a lot of um, entitlement. Mm. And so here, let me go in to explain these things. So uh, I'll start with the entitlement. Like, especially today, and well, mostly yesterday, um, just with Oliver not feeling well. And when he doesn't feel well, he is just the whiniest person in the world um especially when it's his nose yeah and i feel bad saying this but it really really annoys me Mm -hmm. um and i feel bad saying that because i know my child doesn't feel well and i feel bad that i'm annoyed at them not feeling well um but yeah it's just his whining is so annoying to me um and I realized that I feel like I am entitled to my child behaving perfectly <laughs> for mm-hmm. some reason, um, which is a ridiculous expectation. And like, well, like even in my prayers, like I'll pray that, you know, you know, God would heal him quickly, which is a sincere prayer, but like, I've just recognized that like in the back of my mind, like it, it's sort of like a, I, I, I'm, how do I explain this? When it doesn't happen right away when I want it to, I get upset mm-hmm. um, because I feel some sort of like entitlement. Well, I, I prayed to you, God, like I, I did what I was supposed to, but you're still not like quote unquote holding up your end, you know? Yeah. Um which is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
because uh, it's his timing that's the best, not my timing. Yeah. Um, and just really wanting things to go my way, hence the selfishness part. Um, and when it doesn't, like, it's just like everything's thrown off for me. And it's it's not like a a huge thing that I dwell on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still, it's still sin. And like, I need to be killing it. Mm-hmm. So today, today, even as rough as it was, was really good because I, I was a lot more intentional with when I started to feel that way to go to God in prayer okay. instead of just getting upset <laughs> and yeah. then just stewing in it, you know? <laughs> um, Cause I also, um, and y'all don't hear this side of me, but Josh hears this side of me sometimes that I can lose self-control and yell, raise my voice and just get really heated. Um, and that's not, appropriate most of the time so just trying to have that self-control which when i'm starting to feel that way or noticing that like i'm getting like amped up and i want to yell like Mm -hmm. to pray instead of like yelling (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) like just whenever i notice those things about myself now like oh i'm feeling jealous of this person because of you know, so because of what else, whatever, um, to recognize it and automatically pray about it and mm-hmm. like repent and confess it. Um, yeah. It is a, it is a day to day process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. Cause I think that's like when it, yeah, when that's kind of like the first defense against sin is to come to God, like to even just realize that you are in the presence of God and who you are as his child and as a Christian, because it's a lot harder to sin when you realize you are in the presence of almighty God. Right. And that, that, almighty God is so gracious to you, mm-hmm. you know, so even just coming in prayer and like actually engaging in prayer, not just, not just kind of right. like spouting off words to kind of think through the situation. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes I use prayer for that. Um, and that's wrong. <laughs> you know, if you're just using prayer to think through something like that is a benefit of prayer is some sort of meditation, but, um, that's not what prayer prayer is communing with God. Yeah. We shouldn't take that for granted. Um, So like actually engaging in prayer and actually like praying to God. Right. Just saying words. um, I think I, yeah, I I think that's like the first uh, kind of like defense that we have against sin. And since um, in the women's ministry at our church, we're going through the um, Jen Wilkins study uh, through first Peter Mm-hmm. And it has just been so good. Awesome. Um, because this past week, um, we were focusing on the the last bit of uh, the first chapter. And 
there's this contrast um, of God being father and judge. Okay. Um, so like looking at him both ways instead of just like, oh, this loving father that I just come to and, you know, oh, he's gracious. No, he loves me. And which, yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like balance that out with he is judge and we need to like have reverence mm-hmm. for him. And um, that's why we need to confess our sins and need yeah. to repent because he is a judge who is going to judge us for those things. Um, and what else? Also, um, Peter talks about how we need to be obedient in um in what we think you know we have to ready our minds Mm -hmm. and in what um in our our emotions that our passions need to be obedient Mm -hmm. and that um and all of our uh conduct and everything that we do like all those things in all those things we have to be obedient to god um so just like just having that now in the back of my head um, has really helped me to like stop when I'm starting to to think a certain way. Yeah. Um, like when the jealousy comes up or um, when I'm starting to think about, oh, I deserve, you know, such and such. Um mm-hmm. And to just stop and be like, no, that's not glorifying to God. Like, that's not obedient. Um, that's not being obedient. And so t- trying to, like, you know, train my brain now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. To really pick up on that. Mm-hmm. So. That's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's awesome and it kind of sucks in practice that God often uses like difficult situations to show us things like that. Yeah. To show us where we're weak so that he could be strong so that we can turn to him in our weakness for strength. Yeah. But that's the, that's what the, the fiery furnace, that's the refining, the refire, refining, refining, <laughs> refining, yeah, exactly. It's so good. The sanctification. Hey oh. Ten cent word right there. <laughs> Dig it. So enough yeah. about me. What uh what books have you been reading? Yeah. And what have you gleaned from them? Yeah. So um I guess I'll start with the one that I'm still currently reading. Um and I'm only like halfway into it. I'm not that far necessarily but it's it's pretty long and when i say reading i mean listening to it's it's on audiobook um but it's 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 kind of funny i was like just looking through um i was on goodreads and i was looking at what my friends on goodreads have been reading or something because i needed to if you know hoopla we we have um we have recorded it before hoopla digital it, it's got you know, it's basically an online library mm-hmm. and you have a certain amount of borrows that you can get each month. Right. It was the end of the month this past week. Um, well, last weekend. 
And so I had a couple borrows that I could use. So I was like, okay, what do I want? Because you get it for three weeks at a time. So I was like, just pick up something. And if I don't like it, that's fine. Well, someone, um, we actually go to church with her, um, had put on her want to read list this book called Beyond Belief. Okay, it's called Beyond Belief, My Secret Life Inside Scientology and My Harrowing Escape by Jenna Miscavige Hill. And uh, so that this sounds is, super interesting. Does it like you're not you're not being sarcastic? No, I'm not. <laughs> no, because I've watched like documentaries about Scientology and it's just like it is crazy. Yes, but this is from someone's perspective who has grown up in Scientology. So this is someone whose parents were Scientologists were like heavy into Scientology mm-hmm. and were like. Like, um, when she was two years old, I think sold their house so that they could move to a Scientology, like a base where they were and has like grown up in it. Um, basically. Are there multiple like Scientology bases? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently they're like all throughout the world, but because when this was taking place, like this was still when L Ron Hubbard was alive. So it's, it's. It's crazy. Anyways, everything else that I've seen about Scientology has been from the outside trying to get a peek in, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, the documentaries are like trying to go to, yeah, the bases or, or things like that. And it kind of shows how much of a stranglehold that they have on the area mm-hmm. or something. Um, or you get them going to like the Scientology temples where they want to audit you or something like that, you know, trying to act like you're interested so you can learn more about it. And they talk about the benefits that it has on your life. And this is from the perspective of someone who's grown up in it. So like, this is all she's ever known and how, um, like how strict everything is, but she also kind of explains it. It it basically just gives you a peek into the worldview of a Scientologist and um like you said i before i read this book i had always thought well scientology is just crazy right it's just like it's written by a guy who wrote science fiction novels you know it's not even supposed to be um you know religious like like this dude writes about aliens yeah okay (laughs) um well from her perspective she explains it how um the I mean, there, there's like a whole chapter on L. Ron Hubbard and how they see him and basically how, like, yes, he did write science fiction novels, but then he changed his, his life. Basically, while he was writing those novels, he was also looking into um, kind of the deeper things of life. And so the first book that he put out, Dianetics, is about how to achieve... Um, like basically some sort of goodness in this life and what how you're able how to like expel um the bad parts of yourself and and it, his whole like theory was that um the reason that people do bad things or have um bad thoughts or are evil you know where evil comes from is um bad experiences that you've had that you push down basically and so um scientology is trying to expel you of all those bad experiences 
Well, they also believe in basically reincarnation, that your spirit has existed for millennia and you have lived, you know, you've been reincarnated. So you've lived hundreds of times. So over all those lifetimes, you have gained all of these bad experiences that you need to get out of your body. Well, because of that, they treat children more like adults because they believe that you are an adult in a child's body. You have lived hundreds of times before. You've had these life experiences. You can't remember them right now, but as you get older, as you expel these bad experiences, you can um, learn more about your previous lives and these things that you've done in the past and basically how to be a good person and how to how to make the world a better place. And so the mission of Scientology is basically to renew all of mankind and expel all these bad experiences from all of mankind. So if you look at like from that type of indoctrination and worldview from a very young age, um, it's... It's just very different from the way that I have always seen Scientology because it's um, the, the idea that like this is for your benefit and for the benefit of mankind um, to to make everyone to make the world a better place to make people, you know, basically happy because you're getting rid of all your bad experiences that you have kind of stuffed down. Um, it doesn't seem as crazy when it's put like that. But it, it, the crazy well. part, well, yeah, <laughs> but, but you get more of an understanding from her perspective of, of how, you know, as a child, you're still forming your ideas of the world, of yourself and being treated like more like an adult having responsibility, you know, they, <laughs> What sounds comical, they have to sign billion-year contracts. Like you're signing over not just your life, but all of the lives that you have after this life in order to... Well, how to, do they know that you're going to still be a Scientologist in the next life? That's what that's what you're contracting yourself to do. So like in another life, you would... I, I don't know. They, they didn't go into it, but I assume... Because in it another doesn't life, make sense. You, well, yeah. But well... Because I mean, they can't explain it. It's like, this is just the way that it is. Like, they can't really. Well, and so that's what L. Ron Hubbard was doing with the rest of his life. After he published Dianetics, he dedicated his life to seeking more understanding. So he was traveling the world, um, looking into different theories, and trying to find more, to find out more about himself and his past lives. So, like, the way that she paints the picture is he actually believed all this. You know, again, I, I came into this thinking, well, Scientology is just crazy, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense. They're just trying to get money. Um, and so this this was really, the, pic the picture she paints is that this was really Hubbard's like passion in life. And it was more, it was almost a selfish thing. Like he was trying to find out about himself and then made a religion around that. But if that makes sense. if you're just trying to make the world a better place by doing good, then why charge people millions of dollars? Well, so that you can continue to, to research, basically. 
um, so you can build up this empire that you've created. Because she does say, now obviously it, the book is about her escape from Scientology. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten anywhere near that, um, except when she tried to escape when she was real young. But, you know, she was young, so she didn't get very far. Um, mm, oh, she does say that um, basically it Scientology wasn't necessarily supposed to be a religion. It was just kind of his... Uh, his seeking out answers and he was just going to publish books, but he turned it into a religion basically because of the uh, liability and tax benefits that a religion could take advantage of. So for money. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily that he was living a lavish lifestyle because it's actually surprisingly strict the way that she talks about how life is structured as a Scientologist. Now, again, this is in the very inner workings of Scientology. In the book, her, the girl Jenna, her uncle su- succeeds L. Ron Hubbard. So her oh, family wow. is like, yeah, yeah, he's like leading the church today. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and sorry, I, I mean, I'm using the word church because that's what they call themselves. Right. But, you know, I don't actually think they're a church. False. Um, but yeah, so it's really interesting. I don't know how much necessarily I need to go into it, except that um, as I'm reading this, you kind of see how twisted it is, if it makes sense. Like, this is a man, and um, it's a man, but then this entire uh group of people because Scientology is huge the way that they mm-hmm. the way that they explain it um and yeah there's a lot of money wrapped up into it but a lot of people are are have bought into this because you have to buy completely into it in order to progress in it um looking for a better life you know looking for something more to their existence searching for a way to get rid of bad thoughts and bad feelings. And it's really sad because like we have those answers, you know, we have, we know the truth. Roman says that we suppress the truth Mm -hmm. in unrighteousness. Um, In Scientology, there is no God, right? She um, In the book, she talks about how, her great grandparents are Catholic, and how much it freaked her out when they started praying over a meal. Um, she's just that, like God is not even a concept to her. It's humans who've always existed. Um, but we know that there is a creator, right? Yeah. From creation, we know that there's a creator. Mm-hmm. Um, the heavens declare the glory of God. Um, but suppressing that and twisting what we do know like these biblical concepts of we talked about raising children last episode or about education and schooling and you see how you can twist that to indoctrinate children Mm -hmm. and to um, bring them up in a false idea of what reality is and um, you know, poison the well against everyone else, which is an interesting concept because um, there are certain Christian groups who do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they're 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 more well intentioned, I would say, trying to um, 
trying to teach your children uh, the truths of scripture and then sheltering them from everything outside of that, which I don't think that's a biblical concept. I, right. I think we see from the beginning that God blesses his people to be a blessing to the entire world. Mm -hmm. um, so we have to be engaged with people who are not Christians. Um, but the way that this is set up is it is very insular and you do see those who are not, it, it's very, it's very different. The The term that they use is wogs and it's like well ordered gentlemen or something like that. It's basically like, it reminded me of Harry Potter where they call everyone who's non-magical muggles. Oh, they kind of have this dichotomy of like, we are, we have this truth and they don't have this truth. Like they're, they're different from us. And mm -hmm. so we have to like, at least from where I've gotten in the book, she's like 12 years old. She is kept very separate from the outside world. Mm -hmm. And so anyways, just reading these, this account, um, I'm, I'm just thinking of all these biblical concepts that are twisted in order to teach falsehood. Um, and it, in a way that kind of like reinforces how true these concepts are, mm -hmm. right? That you do need to train your children in scripture. You need to, you need to teach your children their worldview and you will, um, but you need to be intentional that it's biblical, that mm -hmm. it's rooted in scripture, that they see the world the way that God has created it and not, um, not through a, a different lens. So it's really interesting. It's definitely like a page turner. Um, it's very, because Scientology is very uh, much about remembering past experiences and being very intentional about learning and knowing and memorizing. Um, she is very detailed in what she says. Okay, so, so you have to come first with that presupposition that you do have all these past lives, right? Because it's not like that's going to be revealed to you from you remembering a bunch of horrible things in your past life because you don't have past lives. <laughs> like, you have to come with that presupposition that you have past lives and then things that you quote-unquote remember you attribute to past lives I or i see i would assume it would be the other way it's like look we can teach you how to live a better life like you can live better if you come through and go through this auditing process which is where you think deeply about your experiences and the way that you feel and the way that you react to certain things so if you naturally react negatively okay take for instance if you get frustrated with your kids really easily you know, like you were talking about just earlier, how um, things can really annoy you. Well, where does that come from? Let's let's think about that really deeply. And you go into this process of almost it's not it's not uh, it's not being hypnotized, but really like meditating and thinking deeply on yourself. Then they can plant those seeds of like, well, where did that come from? You know, did that come from? a past life did that come from something that had happened to you like if you don't remember something in this life that happened to you to cause that perhaps something else happened to you in a previous life and and just suggesting things like that in order to purge yourself of those bad emotions do you see do you see like it caters to someone who wants to fix themselves mm -hmm. obviously we all want to fix ourselves because we're all guilty of sin mm-hmm 
and and that's where I see like it's just twisting this, yeah, um, to suggest well our theory is you know you've had these past lives, and then when you start to to use these processes in order to feel better about yourself, then you can start believing oh what they're saying is true you know I have had these past lives, so I don't think you you necessarily go into it with that presupposition, but you get that presupposition from it. And it plays out experientially because they have suggested it. It's it's sort of it's sort of like Inception, I guess. So would everyone have the same amount of past lives then? I'm not quite sure. Just just that your spirit has always existed. Oh, okay. In a certain sense. So then they would. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. Uh, it it doesn't necessarily go into. I mean, again, this is from a child's perspective because mm-hmm. she because she talks about it chronologically through gotcha. her life, and so it was a presupposition for her. Mm-hmm. So she has not questioned how many past lives have I had. She has been told by everyone around her because mm-hmm. she's grown up in this scientological commune, basically, right. that this is true, and it's always been true. Um, they also cut you off from your parents at a really early age, which is crazy. Yeah, How? like for for most of her life, she would see her parents for like two hours a week, which is crazy because she'd be working so long. Working? Because mm-hmm. they treat you like an adult. So what are you doing? Like at what at what age do you have to start doing that? I mean, well, it depends when you come into Scientology, and so well, she was born into it. Sounds like. Yeah, yeah, her yeah, her parents were um again, they moved to the the base or wherever. Like they dedicated their lives to Scientology. They were Scientologists. You can be a Scientologist and not live, you know, with the other Scientologists. Okay. But when you like pledge yourself to the to their um they they use terms of uh they use naval terms l ron hubbard really liked uh i I think he was in the navy i think if i remember correctly the way that's why they wear those costumes yes yeah it's very much centered around that so he was the he was the people refer to him as the commodore Mm -hmm. um and so they all have titles dependent on um depending on how far you are into the so um so when you pledge your your life to Scientology to to the growth of the church basically you become a part of this the organization it's called the Sea Org. Um and so they did that when she was 2 years old and so yeah she was kind of she grew up in it because of that. Her parents were Scientologists before mm-hmm. then. They had actually pledged themselves to Sea Org before and then left it when they had an affair and married each other. Um yeah, yeah, it's it's like a a messed up situation, but um yeah, it's a very interesting book. Um and I yeah. It's That's funny. All all the stuff that you're talking about just reminds me of that documentary that we watched on yeah. Netflix. I can't remember the name of it though. Cuz cuz they had like people on there that like came out of Scientology and yeah. that, that's how they got all their information, but Anyways, yeah, it's it's well. I was gonna say it's crazy, it but is, just because though. I use that word a lot. Yes, it, it again. I just feel like this kind of explains. You get a different perspective, and so it doesn't sound as crazy when you accept their presuppositions. Like mm-hmm. it's not. 
it's not just stories written by a guy that have been taken mm-hmm. to mean, you know, the meaning of life. Like he was intentionally seeking out something and was building a group of people to surround himself with who would help him in his research. Um, so it was very intentional about like spiritual things, if that makes sense, even if they yeah. wouldn't call it spiritual. Um, so it's, it's sad, but it, it's also human. Like the book is humanizing to people who are under that deception. So beyond belief. That one's really cool. The um, the other book that I've been reading, um, so I'm a part of a, a book club um, where a group of guys, we've been reading through a book a month, and the book that was chosen this month um, is a book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, I think is what it's called, um, by a Japanese woman. Marie Kondo. And um, I listened to that one on audiobook as well. I got through all of it in just a few days um, because it was really interesting. And, uh, you know, I I heard the title and I'm just like, okay, that's kind of weird. Like a book <laughs> about cleaning? That's that's interesting. But the this guy who... This book is for my wife, not me. <laughs> the, um, the guy in our group who chose it, though, he said he intentionally chose it. Um, because it's someone from a different culture, she's Japanese, mm-hmm. and because it's a woman, like we're a bunch of dudes reading books, and so he's like, I, I intentionally want to read something from someone who's different to get a different person, exactly, yeah, exactly, and that's um, cool, and it does give you that, yeah, and I'm actually really impressed, and I enjoyed the book a lot. Um, I don't need to go into everything about it. But the basic premise, um, what she does in in her, the way she goes about what tidying is, is it it talks a lot about not just like, hey, clean your house, clean your living space. It's more about um, taking stock of the things that you own and Pairing down to what you really need and and determining getting rid of clutter in your life to make your life as efficient, productive, as... Um, I'm trying to think of a better word because it's not just utilitarian, but it's like she, she talks about keeping things that bring you joy. Hmm. So it's a very... Um, it's a very individual type of standard you know because she talks about a shirt that she's had since she was a kid that um she would be embarrassed to go out in public wearing but that she really enjoys and she wears it around the house and so she still keeps it because it brings her joy Hmm. um so so half of the book is about taking stock of your stuff and getting rid of everything that does not bring you joy um and this is a really interesting way to look at possessions because it's... So it's like a minimalist sort of book? Yes and no. So in a sense, it's minimalist, but in another sense, it's, it's getting rid of clutter, really. Okay. Because, um, okay, so from my perspective, if you know me, I am a cheapskate. 
<laughs> I'm I'm a frugal guy, and so I I tend to be on the opposite side of the spectrum, where I'm like, if I can get something for free, and there's a situation in which I can see myself using it, I'll take it. You know. Hence all the swag we have in the garage from South by Southwest. Exactly. South by Southwest. Exactly. Exactly. So I just take that stuff on. And her perspective is take a look at what you have. And if it's not bringing you joy, if it, you own it for a reason. Okay. Mm. If you had purchased this thing, man, you haven't used it in a long time. Maybe that purchase was just to show you what you really enjoy, you know, and to show you that you didn't really need this thing. Maybe that purchase, all that that purchase was, was to bring you the joy that you got when you first bought it. So don't feel bad about getting rid of it. But if you haven't used it, like if you're not going to use it, then get rid of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not explaining it. She explains it so much better <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Um, but it's it's actually more about surrounding yourself with the things that you love, right? Okay. And so your life is only filled with things that you, like your living space, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you can't control what goes on outside your house. Um, is but this surround- like, is this just sort of like a self-help book or is it? So, yeah, yeah. Does it, it doesn't have anything to do with like a biblical worldview? Or no. Either? Okay, no, okay. No, she's not a Christian. Okay, okay. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. Because I'm like sitting here Probably trying to figure out like, well, where does God fit into this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, so that's that's the interesting thing too about it is that it is from a different perspective and I appreciate that. So she'll say things like, um, thank your things. Um, oh. Yeah, well, like, you know, at the end of the day when you change into you know, your pajamas or whatever. Thank your clothes that they've kept you warm today. Um, Thank, you know, that they've held, you know, thank your, you know, I don't know, your pockets that they've (laughs) held your things for you. And it's, it's building in you this mindset of thankfulness and appreciation for the things that you do own. But it's and pointed at the wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's that's the part where I agree as Christians, we ought to be thankful. We ought to be like, I, what I took from that is that we should be intentional about being thankful for the little things. Because mm-hmm. we as Americans surround ourselves with so many things that we take for granted. Yeah. I mean, when she said that about clothes... I'm just like, oh, I haven't even thought about my clothes that mm-hmm. way that I should be thankful for them and not just take for granted that God's going to give me to them because it says in his word, you know, he takes care of the gives, birds of the field. Them to so you, yeah. yeah, but to be thankful not to the possessions, but to the one who has given you each of those possessions, right. who has saw to it that each of those possessions were made and ended up in your hands, you know? Um, And so it's taking these things that are skewed, that like miss the mark and seeing what, I guess seeing how close to the mark it got, if that makes any sense, taking it from a biblical worldview and seeing like what, do, do my possessions own me or do I own my possessions? You know, are they for 
are all things for Christ or is it, am I just surrounding myself with things? Mm-hmm. Um, where, where is my heart? You know, because where my treasure is there, my heart will be. Right. Um, and like, who, who was it? Was it John Piper who said like, drink your orange juice to the glory of God yeah. or some, something yeah. like mm-hmm. that? Yep. That was John Piper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then he goes on to unpack what he actually means. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. And, and so it's been, it's actually been really cool to, to think about, but to think about things in the way that they enrich your life and not about just an accumulation of things. So for instance, I, I went and cleaned out my closet after reading the book. Or oh, that's while I was why you I know, did that. Crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. So the first part of the book is about is about taking a look at your possessions and getting rid of things that that are not enriching your life. The second part of the book is actually about organization. Mm-hmm. So everything has a place and and you know when you put your house in order, your it changes the way that you view your life mm-hmm. because um now that everything has its place, you have room in your life like you think through your days in the same way that you think mm. through your possessions. Basically, That's funny. it I, has an effect on the way that you see life. I think that I'm I'm good at like not hoarding things, like not keeping things. I'm not a sentimental person. Mm-hmm. Um but I am horrible at being organized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, this is a, the book is about yeah. both. And I think you're of sort things. of like the opposite. Like you're pretty good at being organized, um, but you tend to sort of lean on the hoarder side. Yeah, <laughs> which is weird because I've never really thought about myself that way. I mean, I I take that back. I knew that I was a pack rat when I was young, but then after we moved a couple times, I thought I had kind of gotten rid of that. Like I'd thrown away a bunch of stuff, but. Now I look at the, all the stuff in the house and I'm like, oh yeah, I do have like all these things that I've kind of accumulated over time. Um, so I'm working at it slowly, but I cleaned out my closet and and looking at it from that perspective kind of changed the way that I saw just the clothes that I had because I was wearing like one-tenth of the clothes that I had in my closet. Yeah. So I got rid of a lot of things. I pulled out the things that I haven't worn in a long time. The t-shirt that I'm wearing right now, I probably <laughs> haven't worn in like a year. Yeah. And um, so like th- that's another part of it is like actually looking at all the things that you have. Because mm-hmm. once it's in front of your face. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I forgot I had that. Right. But you also see, oh, I have so many of these, you know, that yeah. you're talking about t-shirts. Okay. Yeah. I have so many shirts. I don't need all these shirts. And now and so, Ollie has some pajamas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So cute. All him those wearing your shirts. Because <laughs> it's I can't just like a long gown on him. It's yeah. so cute. But he loves it. He does. He, he like, it energizes him. <laughs> it's so funny. It's freeing. Yeah. So anyways, um, I'm, I'm kind of rambling about it. But it's, it's, I, I've actually really enjoyed the book for multiple reasons. Um, but kind of like with the Scientology book, what I see about both of them is that they're from people who have different perspectives and you, you see how God has created the world and how 
we can't get away from asking these questions mm-hmm. about because really like you said the the book about cleaning in so many words um is really more of a self-help book mm-hmm. it's really more about taking stock of your own life and thinking about where you're going in life and what you and need to take how to better with you. yourself yeah yeah and so um that brings up these ideas of of like even possessions in general like being thankful you know if you don't have a god to be thankful to yeah you're forced to be thankful to pieces of string yeah you know material possessions yeah yeah the perishable things of this world right back to first peter hey oh he he brings that contrast many many times just the imperishable and the perishable nice that's cool well, yeah, that's that's what I have. That's what I have. Emo night. <laughs> um, if you live in Austin, that's a reco. <laughs> hey, Scientology. Not a reco. <laughs> no, not a reco. But I mean, I'd recommend like get perspectives outside of your own. I'm pretty sure I've I've harped on that multiple times on the podcast. Um, and then cleaning up, being tidy organizing the things that you own and the things that own you. And um, because it does force you to kind of look at what your intentions were when you bought these things and who you are now, who you were then and where, where you want to go with your life. Mm -hmm. So it has, it has much, much, much more effect than just getting things organized it actually forces you to look at life in an organizational way Mm -hmm. which means you start organizing your time and your priorities and that's awesome so yeah do you have any recos um i do um today i well when i was like starting to feel frustrated because Ollie was whining all day long. Um, I, I prayed, but then I also just like, it's going to sound kind of weird or maybe not, but, uh, I just turned on, um, my, uh, eighties Pandora station and just like danced around the house and <laughs> sang along and it put me in such a good mood. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's basically what I did last night <laughs> with emo. Like it just yeah, like I was yeah, I don't know. If you're friends with me on Facebook at all and you probably you might have seen my my Facebook post today of how I, I um what did I say? It was like how to um when my toddler has a cold and pink eye in both eyes. How do I get through it? I remember that God is on his throne and I turn on Whitney Houston and dance. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, it was awesome. And Josie thought it was the funniest thing. She was was laughing at me. and She loves dancing. She does, yeah. She was dancing to Taking Back Sunday. She was dancing this morning. It was really cute. And she was moving around when I was dancing and singing along to music. And 
don't know, Ollie was watching something on the TV and would just sort of like look over at me every once in a while, but and then go back to whining, but <laughs> it's just like whatever, I'm carefree and I'm dancing. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, I recommend not not necessarily I'm not necessarily recommending the Pandora station, although if you do want a good eighties Pandora station, just I don't know, look up eighties. Um but um mostly what I'm recommending is to just if you're in a bad mood and you wanna be happy, just turn on some nostalgic music. <laughs> It'll always put you in a good mood. <laughs> We can both attest to that <laughs> in our different ways. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, my recommendations are just those two books. Um, I got them on Hoopla because I like audiobooks. Um, we've recommended Hoopla before, um, but I'll drop just Amazon links in the in the show notes so that you can see the books and you know if you want to purchase them, do whatever you want. But they're good. Um, if you want to talk to us, you can do so on Twitter. Our handle is so underscore talk to me, or you can email us at so talk to me podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Any parting thoughts? Do we ever post anything on Twitter? Yeah. I oh, always post when you I drop po- that. Okay. You post yeah. on Twitter. And I, we I reply to people. Yeah. You haven't gotten on in a long time. <laughs> so it goes. We don't right. have that many people talking to us. I'm just kidding. All right. Well, till next time. Go talk to your spouse. Talk to someone. Your spouse, your friend, your dog. Preferably a person. Your gerbil. <laughs> your a Turtle. slug. A slug. Oh, our hike the other day. There's a slug in the road. In the path. It wasn't a road. Ollie got to see it. Okay, anyways, bye. Bye.